Well, good morning, Watts Bar. Yeah, that's all right. Happy anniversary. Listen, uh, they told me I had to. uh, Casey went out and took me out shopping. He said, you have to dress up for our anniversary. So uh, these pants have got a little more give than I'm used to having in my legs. But get a good get a good side of this, Harvey, because you won't see this a whole lot, man. So, hey, uh, how's everybody doing, though? Come on now. How's everybody doing? Um, happy 39th anniversary. It is good to be back. Uh, be back home, man. Me and Denise had an incredible trip, had an incredible time. But I, I can tell you, there is no place like home. And, man, this is their home. This is their family. And we love it. We have got a lot planned for today. So I'm going to just jump in. Is that all right? Uh, Well, some of you, it's all all right. Listen, we're going to need some participation this morning. All right? Thank thank you, Chris. I'm going to go to this mic right here, uh, Gabe. Uh, So uh, is Jill still up here? Jill, come on up. Listen, how many, we're going to try something. How many know there are songs that when they come on the radio or if you're out at a ball game or a concert, when those songs start being played, it doesn't matter if you can sing or not. You just begin to sing, right? Come on, right? Now, so we're going to try something here. And I need you, if you recognize these songs, I need you to sing like you're not in church, but like you're out there where you hear this song. Or are you following me? And I need you to be enthusiastic. So uh, so let, let's try this. Hey, uh, Bubba, can you help me out? Jill to sing this cause none of us can sing that high. Come on, Jill. Let me hear you much more. Just a small town girl. What? Living in the lonely world. He took a midnight train going anywhere. Who else? Who else? Just a city. Help me out. Yeah, 
And I uh, went to see you two down in Atlanta. And uh, man, 30 to 40,000 people packed in this arena. And, and there was a moment about halfway through the show where Bono stops and begins to sing this Amazing Grace. How And the whole whole thousand people get to sing that same. Like me, I 
Now, Bono didn't sing this part, but we're going to sing it. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Come on. Has ransomed. Sing it out and like. And like a flood, his mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. Thank you, Baba. Yeah. See, here's the thing when Bono began to sing that, it was powerful enough. But when 30 to 40,000 people joined in, something special began to happen. I mean, something crazy. Let me get back over this, Michael. With this, I will preach, preach. With this, I may more teach, teach. And that means, what's the difference? Well, one is about 30 minutes longer than the other. So, oh, get that, get that headset, Michael, back. Don't kill it. <laughs> There's something special that starts to happen when we, listen, on our own, that's one thing. But man, when we get together and we begin to sing, something special happens. Music, singing, it's wired into our DNA. Even people that have no sense of rhythm. I, I've watched people in services and other events. This, there's a reason we don't have tambourines in the church. Come on, because people come up, they, oh, they just want to join in, and they start banging that tap. They are, they are so far away from the beaten rhythm. It is not funny. But even people without rhythm, they don't know their author. They're just enjoying the moment. Why? Because it is in our DNA. It's in our DNA. Why do we sing loud? Why do, what, what happens? Here's what I believe. Because we sing in everything, guys, from concerts, sporting events, weddings, birthdays, even funerals. Something about singing has the ability to bring people together. Uh, have you ever wondered why that is? What about singing? What about music has, has the ability to bring people together? Could, could it be that when we're singing out loud with other people, that in that brief moment, when we hear, when we join other people, we believe I'm part of something that makes a difference. I'm part of something bigger than me. I'm part of something great. When we hear, when we're joined in with all these other voices. Here's the thing. You know, let me, we're, we were created in the image of God, correct? Well, if we were created in the image of God, that the likeness of God that means we were created to sing. Because whether you realize or not, our God is a singing God. Are you hearing me? Who wrote the Bible? I mean, it is man, but inspired by Holy Spirit, God, right? Well, get this. The Bible contains over 400 references to singing. 50 direct commands to sing. In the New Testament, we're commanded to sing. Let me just show you a couple of these verses. Ephesians 5, 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Can you imagine that? How are you doing, Tyler? Amen. <laughs> Did I not get anything back? 
He sings better than that. <laughs> that was sad. <laughs> but it says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Let, let me show you this, how the message translates this. I love this. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything, over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master Jesus Christ. What a, give, just make up a reason to sing praises, he says. Look at Colossians 3, 15 and 16. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. Now, I could hang out there for a while. Each other, each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. Cultivate what? Look what this next verse. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And do what? Sing, Sing your hearts out to God. Did you know this? The first recorded words of mankind were in the form of song. When, when, you know, when Adam was put to sleep and, and God took the rib out, which apparently um, that, that's the part uh, that, of men that helps us read minds. So <laughs> took that... <laughs> And he woke up and there's this woman. And he says, bone of my bones. It, actually, he was, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. So <laughs> that was supposed to be the tune of uh, Barry White's Let's Get It On. But it did not sound anything like it. Get this. C.S. Lewis, man, a well-known Christian author, in his book, The Magician's Nephew, look what he wrote. I love this. As Aslan sings the world and all its beautiful intricacies into existence. So the lion of the tribe of Judah, our Lord Jesus, hymns the heavens and earth into being. I love that. In, in the story, Jesus Storybook Bible, which parents, get this Bible for your kids. You will love it as much as they do. Here's what Sally Lloyd-Jones, this is how she translates creation. In the beginning, God sang everything into being for the joy of it and sets the whole universe dancing. See, when you read and you study the Bible, you see our God is a singing God. Check out Zephaniah 317. The Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. Look. He will rejoice over you with singing. The NLT says he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Think about that. The God of the universe, creator of the universe, king of kings, rejoices over you with singing. Man. Here's another way. Think about when the God of the universe thinks about you, he just wants to sing. He wants to sing. Check, check out this one, Hebrews 2, 12. This is Jesus talking. I, Jesus, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. I will declare your name, Father God, to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will what? Sing. 
sing your praises. Jesus is talking about that. Think about it. Jesus joining with others, joining with us, singing praises to God. That's amazing to me. Here's, here's the way uh, author Reggie Kidd says. He says, when the church sings, we actually join Jesus singing as he stands before the Father and leads us in worship. I want you to think about that the next time. That Bob and his team is up here leading you in worship. And Jill begins to sing, let me be like Mary. Uh, pour it out, lay down, pour it out. I won't miss you in the crowd because I love your voice and I know the sound. When she begins to sing, you're better, you're better, you're better. This, I want you to think of this. Imagine yourself, instead of maybe crossing your arms, wondering when worship gets over, maybe think about this. Jesus standing beside you saying, God, you're better. Father, you're better. You're better. And he's leading us in worship. It's interesting. The Bible doesn't tell us who discovered fire, who invented the will, but in Genesis 4.21, it tells us who it was that played the first musical instrument. Look it up. Music's important. The longest book in the Bible is not a book of prophecy, history, or teaching. It's a book of songs. Songs. The entire Bible is filled with people singing along with God singing. The New Testament alone, there are more than 20 references to music. All of them, almost all of them have to do with singing. Mary, in Luke 1, uh, Mary sings when she heard the announcement uh, of uh, that she would have a baby boy. The angels sing the night Jesus was born. The night before Jesus was crucified, Matthew 26, 30 records Jesus and the disciples sang a hymn. Jesus is singing. Do you realize that, that some of the last words Jesus said on the cross were from the Psalms? Psalms 22, when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And a psalm is meant to be sung. I'm telling you. If, and here's the thing, listen. If you don't really like music or singing... Man, heaven is really going to stink for you. Yeah. It, it, it really is. Uh, it cause, look, look, look what, because I mean, pretty much when you look at Revelation, it's pretty much them singing. Look at Revelation 5, 11 through 13. And I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of the living beings and the elders. They sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They sang, Blessing, honor, glory, and power belong to the one sitting on the throne of the Lamb forever and ever. They're singing. And then let's jump down two more chapters to Revelation 7, 9 through 11, or 9 through 12. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe, people and language, standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. They all fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. They sang, Amen. 
man, blessing, glory, wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Listen, here's the truth. Our musical preference doesn't matter. In these moments, whether you can sing or not doesn't matter. Whether you have rhythm or not doesn't matter because here's the truth. As Christians, our Christian faith not only celebrates the gift of music, but it demands those that have experienced the extravagant grace of God that we sing and we worship about it. So why do I need to worship? Look what Martin Luther said. Let God speak directly to his people through the scriptures and let his people respond. With grateful songs of praise. Eugene Peterson said this. I love this. Worship sings. The people of God sing. Moses sings. Miriam sings. Deborah sings. David sings. Mary sings. Angels sing. Jesus and his disciples sing. Paul and Silas sing. When persons of faith become aware of who God is and what he does, they sing. The songs are irrepressible. He says they're irre- meaning you can't contain the songs. When you see who God really is. So maybe the question is not, do you have a song? The question is, will you sing? Because everyone in here, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been redeemed, you have a song that needs to be sung. Your worship needs to be heard, needs to be seen. So why do, we, why do I need to sing or worship? I believe we were put here for that. And, and so here, here's why it's important. See, uh, our worship isn't important because uh, God is this uh, God that, that's got this huge ego and he wants us to, that, that's not what it's about. Here's, I'm going to show you why our worship, as followers of Jesus, put in this community, why it's important. Psalm 68, 4. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Say those two words. What? Cast up a highway for him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Be in high spirits and glory before him. Cast up. The Greek word here is salal. It means to lift up, to elevate, to make a way. I believe that God opened this property, this church over 39 years ago, to give us an opportunity as a church to be able to lift up and build a highway, a bridge to the people that need to hear it. You get this, the traffic that comes through by 68 every day. About six years, years ago, TDOT did a report. They report that there were over 6,000 cars that passed by this church every day. That's an estimated twelve to 24,000 people that pass by here every day. And with the influx we've seen over the past six years of people moving into this area, I'd say that number's risen. So I do not believe we're put here by chance, by luck, or by default. I believe that God in his sovereignty put my dad in front of the right person at the right time to broker a deal for this land. Why? Because from the conception of the idea for this church, God's hand was at work. We as a church, as a community of believers, we've been placed here. 
to lift up, to cast up, to make a highway or a bridge to God. So he can flow through Meigs County, Ray County, Rome County, McMahon County, it says for all the other counties. I don't I always get miss one. So just throw your county in there. And here's the thing. If we're going to be the church that God placed us here to be over 39 years ago, we've got to get back to building those bridges to him. Casting up highways. Lifting up. Making ways for people to get back to God. You want to know what Watts Bar Community Church is all about? We exist for one reason. And that is to glorify God and lead people into a lifelong, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. And here's the thing. Glorifying God comes first. I mean, we just read 68. It says, we build a highway. We build a bridge for God to flow through the desert places. The dry places. So why do I need to worship? Why do I need to sing? If you're taking notes, the first one is this. Worship and singing. It engages our minds and our emotions. When you sing a song, it is almost impossible not to be emotional with it and get connected with it. Charles Spurgeon said this about Psalms 145 in an exposition he did on it. He said, if the joy of the Lord be your strength, why not express it in holy song? Why should not your joys have a tongue as well as the joys of ungodly men? When warriors win victories, they shout. Have we not won victories through Christ Jesus, our Lord? He says, when men celebrate their festivals, they sing. Are there any festivals equal to ours, our Pascal or, or, or Holy Communion, our passage of the Red Sea, our Jubilee, our expectation of the coronation of our king, our hymn of victory over all the hosts of hell? Oh, surely, if the children of earth sing, the children of heaven ought to sing far more often, far more loudly, and far more harmoniously than they do. Come on, church. When we worship, when we sing that song that's been placed inside of us, it engages our minds and our emotions. The second thing, worship and singing brings us together, and it builds unity. Builds unity. We experienced that uh, from, from, from the start of this message. When everybody was singing Sweet Caroline. Uh, or or not and not. You didn't, you didn't care whether you liked the person across the room or not. You didn't care if, uh, what their ethnicity is, what their, what their political beliefs were, what, where they come from, what their social standing for. All you cared about is, I want to be part of that. Nah, nah, nah. That's all you cared about. It unites us. It brings us together. It builds unity. This, this fall, I'll go to Neyland Stadium. And I now watch my Tennessee Vols. Good or bad, I will watch them. I am not a fair weather fan. I am with them through it all. I will gather with all the other worshipers. Partake of communion. Diet Coke and peanuts. And when that hymn comes on, it will erupt Rocky Top. <laughs> 
will always be home sweet home to me. Now, can I be honest? And, and I will just be glad to be a part of it. I don't care what the person beside me, I don't even care about their sexual preference. I don't care if they're black, white, Asian. I don't care where they come from. I don't care who they voted for. I just care, hey, I'm singing Rocky Top. Because we're united. And think about this. The songs that really get us going, I mean, that song, Rocky Top, the lyrics... I have no clue how that became our fight song. I mean, when you look up the words, the first verse talks about a woman, this guy meeting a woman that was half bear and half cat. Wild as a meat, but sweet as soda pop. That right there lets me know somebody from the South, because we never refer to it as soda pop. Take that fake Southern stuff. Anyway, then the second verse Talks about these two strangers that apparently came across a moonshine still and were murdered. Never heard from again. Rocky Top, we'll, yeah, we'll sing it. And listen, and your songs too, whether it's Alabama, Florida, your songs are just as stupid. But we sing it with everyone else. Why? Because in that moment, we belong to something bigger than us. We feel part of something that matters. But can I tell you, all those lyrics, all those songs that we proudly, we boastfully sing, even at the start of this message, those fail in comparison when compared to us singing about a God that loves, saves, delivers, heals, and was risen from the dead. Look at Psalm 68 again, 68.4. Sing praises to God. Sing praises to his name. Cast up a highway for him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Be in high spirits and glory before him. Build the bridge. Here's what happens when we begin to do that. Verses 5 and 6. Father to the fatherless. Defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets prisoners free and gives them joy. Here's what worship does. Three, worship singing builds a bridge for God's presence to converge with our reality. I mean, think about it. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, uh, whose God places the lonely in family. See, when our reality is, I'm fatherless. I don't really even know my dad. But when his presence, we begin to sing and his presence converges with our reality, we realize, oh, he's my father. Boom. When we're lonely, we feel like we've got nobody else, but we get in here and we begin to sing, hear others sing, and His presence begins to fill the room. We realize, oh, I've got family. When we struggle with an addiction or a sin or whatever it is, and we feel like we'll never break free from this, when we get into His presence and that conversion with our reality, we say, oh no, man, through Him I have been set free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. I don't have to live like... I'm telling you, we sing and worship because that builds a bridge for His presence to converge with our reality. Paul knew this firsthand. Do you remember the story in, in Acts 16 where Paul and Silas had got thrown into prison for preaching? 
and they're down there, they're, they're chained up and in the middle of their loneliness. You don't think they were lonely in prison, feeling abandoned? You don't, they were shackled up. And look at what happens in Acts 16. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and doing what? Singing, Singing hymns to God. What, what does the rest of that say? The other prisoners were listening. I wonder if they were sitting there, man, I don't know what's up with them. We ain't got a lot to be worshiping, singing hymns about here. Paul and Silas were singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of who? Every prisoner fell off. Every prisoner. The fourth thing that worship does, it builds a bridge for others to be set free. When we begin to worship, even in our chains, when we begin to worship, even in our loneliness, even in our brokenness, it begins to build a bridge for others to be set free. Why do you need to engage in singing worship? Because who knows who came through that door, sit down beside you, and who knows what they were going through the week or what they're going through right now. Who knows they may not have the strength or even the want to to lift their hands and lift their voice. And who knows that possibly God has set them right beside you you so that through hearing you worship them listening to you worship their chains might fall off maybe I should have stuck with this mic because I feel like preaching I'm telling you guys and I have got excited and lost my place hmm. we're celebrating 39 years as a church as a community when mom and dad started this church over 39 years ago, we were a music family. My dad had never pastored a church. We loved music. We had our own group. We were Ken Goins and the Spiritual Explosion. They said, I'll sign albums afterwards. We went around singing and preaching. When mom and dad started this church, worship. And music played a huge part. This church became known for its music and its worship. It became known as a worshiping church. Wild stories were told about things that went on up here about worship and singing. Some of them not true. A whole lot of them were true. And there have been periods... In the history of this church, when we've gotten away from that, times when we were more about the performance than we were about his presence. And I believe God is calling us back to his presence. I believe that God is calling us back to what started this church and what made this community attractive to those outside of it. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Cast up a highway for him who rides through the desert. His name is the Lord. Be in high spirits and glory before him. He is a father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families, and he sets prisoners free. Give them joy. 
Again, the question is not, do you have a song to sing? But are you going to sing it? Are you going to join in and sing? But I can't sing. It's not about whether you can sing or not. It's about your willingness to just join the song. I'm going to close. And if I can get Tyler to come up. Kennedy. During our prayer time with our leadership this morning, uh, Denise, she never, doesn't look on my nose, but she began to talk about one of our devotionals this week. And it was actually, I was like, man, that's in my notes. But in one of our devotionals, it was talking about Joshua and, you know, the walls of Jericho and God giving him the instructions, march around the walls of Jericho for seven days on the seventh day of seventh time around. Hey, shout, just shout. Anybody remember the story? The writer of that devotion asked this question. Would you shout? Think about it. You've been marching for seven days and not seen any change. You've not seen anything that would say, oh, it's getting better. It's getting better. Oh, the walls are cracking. Nothing. Day one, day two, day three passes nothing changes by day four i think the people on the wall that were nervous because they'd heard about what god had done i think by day four they're probably hurling insults now is this all you got oh what are y'all trying to do lawless and you couldn't respond just march he said don't don't say word just march Side note here, you don't have to respond to every jab that gets thrown your way, whether it's on social media or it's in person. In fact, a lot of the times the best thing you can do is be silent and just march and, and remember the last order given to you by your king. Day five and six, nothing changed. Nothing about their situation, except now probably the insults are growing louder and probably more harsh. Day seven rolls around. Nothing has changed. Would you shout? What am I, I going to shout about? The writer says this, and the devotee says, I think I would shout. But he says, he's honest, he says, but I'm not sure it would start out as a confident shout. But the shouting that I heard from those around me sure would help that confidence grow. And at some point, I would begin shouting from the top of my lungs. Can I tell you, that's what Sundays and Wednesdays are about. I say, though those times when you can't sing out, when you can't worship with confidence and declare that God is good, because right now you don't feel like God is that good. Those times when you, you, you don't feel like declaring, man, that God is good all the time or, that sh or shouting to God with a voice of triumph because your situation doesn't show that he is victorious. But something happens when you get in here. Maybe you don't feel like shouting. Maybe you don't feel like singing. But there's somebody beside you. Keep on getting better. 
keep on getting better. You keep on getting better. You keep on getting better. If something begins to break, you keep on getting better. You keep on getting better. Oh, keep on. And see what happens. You begin to hear others begin to declare the goodness of God. What he has done, what he is doing, what he will continue to do. And something inside you begins to stir. And maybe you didn't sing with confidence, but there comes a point where when all that kicks in and you begin to sing, yes, he keeps on getting better. You keep on getting, I don't feel like it right now, but I'm going to declare it. Getting better. You keep on. My circumstance hasn't changed, but I declare, keep on getting better. God, I still feel broken, but I'm going to say it. Why do you need to worship? Who knows who's sitting beside you that has had the week from hell? And they just barely found the strength to walk through those doors. And they're sitting beside you. And they need to hear you say, hey, he keeps on getting better. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Don't lose hope. Hang on. Don't lose hope. He's going to get, it's getting better. I want to do my final closing. Randy Alcorn, who's written several books, both fiction and nonfiction, in his book, The Edge of Eternity, he gives such an incredible description of what worship in heaven might be like. Let me read some of that to you. It won't come up on the screen. So He says, We rejoined our comrades in the great camp of heaven embracing and shedding tears, slapping each other on the back. Then warriors around me turned toward the masses of untold millions gathered in heaven. The army began to sing, perhaps hundreds of thousands, perhaps a million. I love this. I added my voice to theirs and sang the unchained praise of the king. Only for a moment did I hear my own voice. Amazed to detect the increased intensity of the whole. One voice, even mine, made a measurable difference. But from then on, I was lost in the choir. I could hardly hear my voice, and I really didn't need to. As we sang to the gathered throngs of heaven, the sheer power of their voices, our voices, nearly bowled me over. Then suddenly, the multitude before us sang back to us, and our voices were drowned out by theirs. We, who who a moment earlier seemed the largest choir ever assembled, now proved to be only the small worship ensemble that led the full choir of untold millions, now lost to themselves. The song's harmonies reached out and grabbed my body and my soul. I became the music's willing captive. Our voices broke into 32 distinct parts, and instinctively I knew which of them I was made to sing. 
It felt indescribably wonderful to be lost in something so much greater than myself. There was no audience, I thought for a moment. For audience and orchestra and choir all blended into one great symphony, one grand cantata of rhapsodic melodies and powerful sustaining harmonies. No, wait, there was an audience. An audience so vast and all-encompassing that for a moment I'd been no more aware of it than a fish is aware of water. I looked at the great throne and upon it sat the king, the audience of one. Get this, the smile of his approval swept through the choir like fire across dry wheat fields. When we completed our song, the one on the throne stood, raised his great arms, clapped his scarred hands together in thunderous applause, shaking ground and sky, jarring every corner of the cosmos. His applause went on and on, unstoppable and unstoppable. In that moment, I knew with unwavering clarity that the king's approval was all that mattered. We're going to go into some worship.